0: I just want to thank everybody for coming back to listen. If you are new here, welcome to our podcast, Sakura Hangout, where we are telling this beautiful story infused with technology and fantasy on the backdrop of African culture. So far, we have listeners from the United States, United Kingdom, Germany, Mozambique, Brazil, and Argentina. Thank you to you all. I appreciate y'all so much. So now, chapter two. We have some things to discuss, but... Before we launch into a discussion, I am just going to take us straight into the next chapter. Chapter
1: Two Good morning, little sister, said Jafari as I opened the door, followed by Tao. They both paused, performing the customary hand gesture a gentle tap on the chest with a fist and another with an open palm and then followed by a subtle bow, signifying respect before entering someone's home. I reciprocated their gesture and welcomed them inside. Oh, I can see someone's in a good mood, Jafari remarked with a grin as he approached me. Actually, I could sense your pain and happiness even before I got here, he continued. "'his eyes reflecting the profound connection we shared. "'It was as if he carried a piece of my soul with him wherever he went. "'Auntie Polara was here to assist me,' I said, leading them to the living room. "'And she could have just taken you back home with her. "'It would save me, as I wouldn't have to explain to Mama "'that you're not planning on coming back home,' he teased with a mischievous grin. "'I laughed heartily. You're quite the comedian.' I'm not sure I'm ready just yet to travel through Auntie Polara's portals. Ola, so what would make you happy? He asked earnestly. I locked eyes with him. Staying here with my kids and living a simple life. I find happiness in the West. He responded quickly, his tone serious. This may seem like happiness, but deep down, don't you yearn to be back home with your people? Seriously. I chuckled, dismissing his comment, and we made our way to the lab, where an array of cutting-edge machinery and holographic displays awaited us. When we got there, we conversed about everything and nothing. Our discussion flowed effortlessly, brimming with memories and laughter. Jafari shared stories of his recent adventures, and I updated him on the latest developments with A.L. Our unique bond, the iwekwewe, allowed us to communicate without words, understanding each other on a level that transcended ordinary sibling relationships. Memories from my childhood surged back, of moments when I would inquire of my grandmother about the iwekwewe bond that our people had with nearly everything around them. I remembered her gentle voice as she would say, Ola, my dear. The Iwikwewi is in the air, in the sea, and in all things around Us. It connects all people to one another, to nature, and most importantly, to their creator. Jafari glanced around the upgraded lab with a hint of surprise. Ola, you've made quite a few changes to this lab since my last visit, he remarked, a smile lighting up his face. A lab assistant tapped the main workstation, and a holographic digital displays materialized in the air, followed by a rotating sphere reminiscent of AL's core, housing the powerful applications that fueled AL. We didn't come here to dance around. It is time to open the core, Jafari declared. I sniffled and wiped my nose, a sense of dread settling over me. Opening the core meant facing the painful reminder of my altered humanity. You know the only time Dad ever acknowledged the Sakurans was when he designed the core's security system. Um, that is a beef between you and Baba. I will not get in the middle of it, Jafari replied with a distant gaze. I nodded, fully grasping the gravity of our decision. The core served as the heart of Al. Like a library of powerful machines that never slept, each box contained countless virtual nodes interconnected with complex digital data. It was also the hub for detecting cyber threats. Jafari and I stood by the door, where I extended my hand over a digital tablet mounted on a sleek chroma stand. Then a mesmerizing web of dots came to life. Forming an intricate lattice of light that seemed to throb with anticipation, each dot emitted a subtle glow, akin to stars inviting exploration. As I placed my hand over the dots, their radiance intensified. A silent ballet of laser beams emerged, weaving through the air to meticulously scan my palm's contours. Simultaneously, another device focused on capturing the intricate details of my iris. "'We need a fish scale, Ola,' said Jafari with his gaze remaining resolute. I trembled. "'I've just been through this. Isn't there another way?' He met my gaze steadily. "'It is the only way, Ola. If you had turned—' "'we wouldn't have to do this "'because you would invoke the scales yourself.' "'Maybe this will help,' Tao interjected, "'approaching with a syringe filled with a green substance. "'You two obviously planned this well,' I said with a frown. "'We know what we came for, and we cannot leave without it,' said Jafari. Tao secured my wrist and administered the injection. "'To my awe and horror,' fish scales began to emerge on my arm once again, starting from the binding and extending down to my palm. As he extracted the fish scale, he accidentally plucked two, but promised to dispose the other one. He handed the remaining scale to me, and I moved closer to the core's entrance. There, I placed the fish scale into the opened hatch. The hatch sealed shut, and after a brief moment, The door began to open slowly. Welcome, Miss Owakwe, said the Corps' artificial intelligence. Inside, I retrieved the Decepti probe module palette, an advanced piece of technology designed 15 years ahead of its time to investigate ransomware in action, all part of AL's Deception Technology suite. We walked back into the lab where I activated the probe. Suddenly, luminous dots materialized before me, flickering into existence like distant stars in the night sky. Each dot was a node, a representation of a network. Soon enough, I found myself immersed in a web of data. Threads of data woven stretched across the room, connecting nodes and forming a complex tapestry. My fingers danced across the keyboard. Now... All we gotta do is track down the ransomware in action. The probe will follow a live signal, I said. Then one of the dots began to glow with an ominous crimson hue like ripples on the surface of a cosmic pond. It was the initial point of compromise where the attacker had created a foothold. With a few deft keystrokes, I expanded the dots' visualization, revealing the sinister dance on the network. Tendrils of light snaked out from it, reaching for other dots nearby, attempting to establish a nefarious connection. It was the attacker's first move, akin to a spider spinning its web. Lab assistants handed Jafari and Tao holographic tablets, and they began manipulating rotating spheres with holopens as they tried to understand what was going on in that network their expressions a mixture of intense focus and determination. Before the ransomware could commence its encryption spree fully ensnaring its prey, the Decepti probe conjured a web file share, laden with seemingly vital yet counterfeit sensitive data. These digital threads constructed from lines of code and powered by adaptive deception algorithms, intercepted the attacker's advance, and led them away from the treasure trove of our customers' data. The very essence of cyberspace had come to life in an orchestration of deception and a graceful defense. The attackers' movements grew more frantic, resembling a trapped insect struggling against invisible silk. Then they probed, searching for weakness, but the holographic web file share adjusted in real time, "'shifting and reinforcing itself to confound the attackers every attempt. "'Are we able to start tracing them?' Jafari demanded. "'I couldn't help but remember how our father had taught us about ransomware. "'He had resembled them to parasites. "'He said that parasites infects a grasshopper's "'and eventually take control of the grasshopper's nervous system, "'forcing it to behave in unnatural ways.' Just as the hairworm hijacks the grasshopper's behavior, ransomware takes control of a computer or network, encrypting files and demanding a ransom to regain control. Except he never taught us how to defend against it. When I created the probe to defend against ransomware, he rejected it. I lamented, but now he needed it to support him finding the urn. To trace the attacker, we must allow them to deploy the ransomware and track the command and control communications, I explained. Do it now, said Jafari. Then the moment we let it encrypt the files, an incident fired in the operations center causing the atmosphere in the lab to intensify. Later, we successfully traced the communication to a server owned by an Abubakar. With a few keystrokes, his mugshot filled the screen in front of us. He's a red, Tao exclaimed, a hint of urgency in his voice. A red as in the ones who wear red capes, I asked, surprised. Tao nodded. Yes, look at his neck. That tattoo is how you know someone is a red or not. Frustration and disbelief welled up in me. I can't believe it. I keep seeing men in red capes everywhere I go. Tao's reaction was immediate. What did you just say? He asked as though he might drop the tablet in his hand. Yeah, I admitted hesitantly. At the fountain, I saw a bald man in a red cape. He was just staring at me, but more importantly, I don't know whether they realize that this is Europe. No need to walk around with your tribal markings on your face. We need to protect your sister, Tao declared. Jafari agreed, his tone serious. Yes, Baba needs to assign you royal protection. We've ignored this for too long. What? No, I don't. Guys, I'm fine. It's nothing. Jafari shook his head. I'm getting Baba involved, he announced, dialing his phone. Like Baba is going to care about me? I retorted with doubt. A few minutes later, Jafari returned, his expression more serious. It is done. You're getting royal escort from now on, everywhere you go. Why doesn't anyone tell me anything? Are the Reds connected to the Waika syndicates, or is this something new? I don't need protection, I refuted. It is done. And not another word, Ola, shouted Jafari. Maybe we can discuss this after some lunch. I rolled my eyes and let out an exasperated sigh as I turned away. The Waika syndicates were the West's biggest enemy, placing bugs in computer systems causing sabotage. They were a rebellious tribal group formed by banished members of Zimadan tribes in the desert many years ago. They called themselves the Red Devils of the Daharan Desert. They were banished because they wanted to terrorize the West using technology. No one in the West knew the origins of these cyber-terrorists, but we knew that they originated from Zimoda, thanks to A.L., and attributed them to their threat activity. Suddenly the lab's doors burst open and youthful energy flooded in. Uncle Jafari, Uncle Jafari! The exuberant voices of my twin daughters echoed through the room. Jafari's face lit up with a radiant smile, his work momentarily forgotten. He turned to see the girls dashing toward him, their silk pajamas swishing with each joyful step. In a swift and graceful motion, he knelt down to catch them as they leaped into his arms. "'Hello, my little rascals,' said Jafari as he embraced them with a warmth that melted away the lab's intense atmosphere. Then he kissed each of their cheeks, eliciting peals of laughter that echoed through the space. The bond between Jafari and my daughters was undeniable, a testament to the close-knit family we were. Girls, look who's here, I chimed in, guiding them toward Tao, who was standing nearby. This is mummy's old friend, Tao and Tao, this is Chin-Yang and ming The twins regarded Tao with wide-eyed curiosity, their gazes filled with wonder. Tao greeted them with a friendly smile, crouching down to their level. Hello, ladies, it is lovely to meet you girls. I have heard all about you from your Uncle Prince Jafari. The girls nodded. Mingxia, the more outspoken of the two, "'tilted her head and posed a question "'that hung in the air like a whisper of innocence. "'Is Tao coming to live with us, mummy?' "'A momentary hush fell over the lab as the question lingered. "'I exchanged a knowing glance with Tao. "'Jafari, always quick on his feet, "'chuckled and ruffled Mingxia's hair. "'Maybe one day Tao can take you for ice cream.' "'We kind of need a dad,' said Chinyang. The quieter of the two, gazed at Tao with her big, thoughtful eyes. Her words were like a gentle breeze, carrying a wisdom beyond her years. As I rolled my eyes, tears almost welled up, for Chin Yang had spoken a simple truth that resonated deeply within me. The room filled with a poignant silence, broken only by my clap. How about we all go get that ice cream that somebody talked about, I said.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I just wanted to say that I'm really excited about this book. I like how everything blends together. This is one of the chapters I'm really proud of, given it came together last minute and how beautiful it is, given I am a techno geek. I really like how, you know, at the frontier of the story, the villains of the story are being introduced. One of the biggest feedback points was to incorporate the idea of seeing the protagonist before the turning point event. It's been an honor to write Jafari and show the bond he had with Ola. In this chapter, we also get to showcase Ola's hacking skills. But the most important thing that grabs me about this chapter is how they investigate the ransomware. So when writing, we are aware that we're going to have people that are reading this book and they don't come from a cyber background. The most difficult thing is to think about how we bring cyber to a person who doesn't know cyber. How do we bring cyber to life? so that somebody who is non-technical can actually understand what is going on. It needed to be in a way that they can potentially relay the story back to me in terms of what happened without getting tangled up with cyber jargon. But also, if you do come from a cyber or technical background, you actually see how clever we got with the authentication system by being able to use that identity theme of the book. The thought process behind that was the fact that we knew that Ola hates being in Juzu. So at this point in time, her fish scales are pretty much forcefully invoked. So obviously, that is when something like the injection came into play, so that we were able to authenticate her onto AIL's core system, and she retrieved the deceptive probe module. So I really like how that's really come together. And that is actually one of my favorite things about this chapter. Here we are blending mysticism the cyber technology, and the Afrofuturism aspect of it. This book is a beast. I'm not going to lie. And you would think it took 10 years to develop such a concept. But actually, even though I've written the book in three years, I'd say the majority of that time, in terms of the time spent on the book writing, to develop some of these concepts is something like 12 months. I think the most important thing about this story is the fact that It's an Afro-futuristic story that's being written outside of Marvel and Hollywood with a non-Eurocentric view. In our circles, people say we had problems in Africa, we had our own stories and history before the white men came. I see it as an opportunity to talk about African stories without bringing the colonial narrative into it. It makes them important. I think if you are from Southern Africa and you are from Zimbabwe, you may be able to relate to some of the concepts that we're going to talk about throughout the whole series. I can't say necessarily in this book there will be some relatable words to show that the main language in Zimbabwe, we want to be able to incorporate so many different cultures from Africa. But we chose the Shona as a starting point, so this will definitely be seen when we start talking about some of the tribes, which I am not able to talk about right now as we haven't reached that chapter. Thank you very much for listening. I will see you back in the next episode.